Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The idea that bad things happen to people as a punishment from God runs deep in the human psyche. It's common for people to think when they see that something bad has happened to someone, it's common for people to think that somehow this is some sort of a punishment for some sinful thing that they did. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of John. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on John chapter 9, verses 1 through 38, in a message titled, I Was Blind, Now I See. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So I want to remind you, as we have done quite frequently, I want to remind you of John's purpose in writing this gospel. He tells us very specifically that these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ or Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And so we find John's gospel is really different. Those of you who have read through the four gospels, you you have noted that Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a lot of similarities. There are some differences, but they're very similar. But then you get to, to John and you're like, wow, this is, what, what's happening with John? These are stories that I haven't heard before. And um, so, so John, this is, this, he intentionally is putting in stories that others did not tell. And this story here is one of them. This is the only uh, gospel where the story is found. Even though in the other gospels, there are records of uh, Jesus healing blind people, this amazing story is not there. So this really fits in with John's method of storytelling. Again, if you think about it, Again, the more you read the scripture and, and get familiar with the, the gospels themselves, you realize that John has this interesting method of telling stories of people's deep encounters with Jesus. And we really don't see that much in the other gospels, maybe, maybe one or two here or there. But uh, John, he is in this habit of focusing in on these deep conversations. So Nicodemus, for example, maybe you've been with us the whole time through our study of the Gospel of John. You remember the, that whole conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus, or maybe you've just read it and you see it there. So you have Nicodemus, then you have the, the woman, uh, the Samaritan woman, and the conversation that Jesus has with this woman at this well. Then uh, you have a man who was healed, who was crippled at the pool of Bethesda. You have that conversation there. You have the conversation or the encounter, the exchange between the, Jesus and the woman taken in adultery. And now we come to this story here. 
the story of this man who was born blind and Jesus gives him sight. And of course, that is the kind of the main point of the story, but that's not the only thing we see in the story. We see in the story also, we see the deep-seated unbelief on the part of the religious leaders of the time. We see the intimidation and oppression of the poor by those religious leaders. We have here in this story a picture of how petty and merciless those with religious power can be at times. Yet at the same time, it is the story of a blind beggar's journey to believing that Jesus is the Son of God. It's a story of deep conviction, unbending courage, and blossoming faith. And so those are the things that we want to sort of keep our eyes open for as we go through the story. So Robin read for us the the first 12 verses. We're actually going to read all the way through almost to the end of the chapter today. I want to walk us through it, and I want to do two things. I want to highlight some of the, the key moments, and then at the end, we'll come back around and see what the application would be for us today from the story. So let's pick it up right here from the start where we read, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Note that. He's blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The idea that bad things happen to people as a punishment from God runs deep in the human psyche. It's common for people to, to think. When they see that something bad has happened to someone, it's common for people to think that somehow this is some sort of a punishment for some evil or, or some sinful thing that they did. You know, there just came to mind. The story, there's a story in the book of Acts where Paul the Apostle, he's traveling to Rome. The ship that he's on sinks. They have to make their way to shore. It seems like almost certain death, but they finally, they, they survive it. And the, the people there on the island, they gather around them as they come up onto the shore. And they light a fire because it's cold. And Paul the Apostle, as he's collecting sticks, it says that a viper came out of the sticks and latched itself onto him. And and then it says he shook it off and he had no harm. But this is what it says about the people that saw that. The people that saw that said, ah, this must be a, a wicked person who, although he escaped death at sea, the gods will not allow him to live. Therefore, this viper is going to be the, the means of taking him out. Now, that's kind of, you know, that mentality didn't just exist in those days. You find that mentality today. There's that thread of thinking in Hinduism. There's that thread of thinking in Islam. There's that thread of thinking among secular people. 
And there's even that thread of thinking sometimes among Christians. So this is in the minds of people. This was in the minds of the disciples when they saw this man there who had been blind from birth. Who sinned, this man or his parents? Now, an interesting sort of a twist on this is that some of the ancient rabbis actually did teach that a child in the womb could possibly sin or that a child that was born with a defect was a punishment from God for the sins of the parents. So basically, they're just echoing the things that they had heard all around them throughout their whole lives. So that's the question. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that this has happened? And I love the response of Jesus. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. You know, Jesus, sometimes he's just so, he's so blunt and straightforward. And I want you to just think about this. Everything I just said, not only the ancient world, but, but presently we have people that think this way. In one sentence, Jesus puts all of that to rest. Take note of that. The next time you're tempted to think that, oh, maybe this person is suffering or maybe this malady is somehow making a connection back to God and them being punished, just remember the words of Jesus. No, that's not what's happening. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Now he goes on and we read that Jesus said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus seems to say that this has nothing to do with sin. There's there's no direct connection with sin. But this was allowed, basically this was allowed for the glory of God. This was allowed, in a sense, what Jesus would be saying is, this was allowed for this very moment in history so that this man who was born this way could be healed by me. Now, some people would say, well, that doesn't seem very fair. How is it that God would allow something like that just so he could you know, perform this a miracle later on in the person's life? Some some people would say that. Some people have said that. But you know, I don't think for one moment that the man thought that at all. I don't think that after he was healed, you know, the next day he thought, well, wait a second. Why why was I even blind in the first place? I, I need to talk to God about this. I don't think that ever entered the man's mind. I think that he was very, very happy. If that's the way it happened, he was... He was very happy that it happened that way. But what happens? There's a healing now that is going to take place. And look what it says. It says, after this, after Jesus had said these things to them, we must work while it is day, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. You think that's weird? 
That is weird. You can think that. That's strange. And then he said, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word, Siloam, means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. So what is happening here? Why is Jesus spitting on the ground and making clay and smearing it on the eyes of this blind man and then sending him off? So this, think, just kind of picture this in your mind. This guy is now, he's being led to the pool. He can't see, so he's obviously not walking on his own. He's being led to the pool, uh, and he's got mud smeared all over his eyes. Bible commentators have tried to make sense of this. Why would Jesus have done that? Now, some have said that Jesus did this because there were among certain pagan religious practices, there were those who believed that saliva had medicinal elements to it, and so they would use their saliva in their efforts to heal people. And Jesus did it because it was kind of a familiar method. People would have maybe made that connection. I think that is a really bad explanation for this for a number of reasons, mainly because I don't think Jesus would have been mimicking the practices of the pagans. And secondly, because I don't think the people, the Jewish people, would have been familiar with the custom of the pagans. So I think that's a bad answer. I think the answer is actually way more profound than this. And I want you to remember this. Remember who's writing this and remember what he's already told us about Jesus. And remember what he told us about Jesus from the very beginning of this this gospel. He told us that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and all things were made by him. And without him, nothing was made that was made and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John has already told us that Jesus is the creator. Now, when you go back to the original creation story in Genesis, what do you find? You find that God takes what? He takes dirt. And he forms the dirt. And then he breathes into the dirt the breath of life. And man becomes a living being. And I think what Jesus is doing here is he's basically, he's in a sense sort of repeating what happened at creation. He is taking dirt and rather than breathing on it, he's spitting on it and then he's smearing it on the man's eyes. He is creating eyes so that this man can see. That's what's happening here. That's why he did what he did the way he did it. And then he sent him to the pool of scent. That's literally what he did. He sent him to the pool of scent. Now, John, he sees something in this. For John, there's, there's something here. And that's why he adds that Siloam means scent. And so for John, it's not a coincidence that this is happening. John sees in this, this is a, this pool, this pool of Siloam, this pool was named 
the pool of scent because of this moment in history when Jesus would send this man there. I think it's interesting how John makes that connection. Now, the pool was named Siloam many centuries earlier. And obviously, it was named that because it was sending water or it was receiving water that was sent. But John sees that there is uh, something even beyond that. And, and that just says to me that, you know, sometimes we probably need to be a little more sensitive and open to, to things being more than what they seem. I think it's easy for us as Christians. Now, as Christians, we are people who have had a supernatural experience. We have had an encounter with God. We've had an, an introduction into a whole nother dimension. But sometimes we live like we haven't ever really had that. We just live in a very strict, closed, sort of a materialistic type of an existence. And sometimes we fail to recognize that there are supernatural things happening. We need to see things through a spiritual lens and not just always through the obvious lens that it is. And John does that here. He says the pool of Siloam. Yes, it's been called Siloam forever, but it means sent. This is about what's happening right now. So we can do that. And we should do that. We need to have a, a more of a sensitivity to the things of the Spirit. Now, here's what we're going to do. We are going to go, as I said, we're going to go now. I want to just walk us through the story. Like I said, I want to highlight some things, then we'll come to the application. But follow me now as we just make our way through the rest of the story. And it is really an extraordinary story. And I want you to, if you're able to, just sort of, you know, just let your imagination run away with this. Put yourself in the story. And I think you're going to see just how fascinating it is as you do that. So anyway, the man went to the pool. He washed. We read. He went. After that, it says that he came home seen. And so his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, nah, he looks like him, though. I mean, you know, just kind of imagine this in, in a present sort of a context. You know, you, you live in a neighborhood. You have a neighbor who, let's say, you know, they, they've been blind. You've lived there 30 years. You've had this neighbor, they're blind. And then one day... You see them out and about, and they're obviously not blind. They're doing all the things that, that people can see, who can see, do. And you, you might look and you might think, wait, is, is, that the, is that the person? You might think, well, no, it, it can't be the person. No, is that the person? And then somebody else says, well, well it, it looks like them. And then here's, I love this part. But he himself insisted, no, it, it is me. I am the man. And then they say, how then were your eyes opened? He replied, 
the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. So this is the conversation that's going on with the neighbors. Fascinating. Now, verse 13 says, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now, I don't know why they did this, but this really wasn't a good idea. But somebody had the idea that we ought to take him to the Pharisees. So the Pharisees, they were the religious leaders, and we're going to see that they were not really friendly people. And so they bring him to the Pharisees. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud, here's a little side note, and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. So this is where all the trouble is going to come. And John notes that. Jesus healed this man who was born blind. He healed him on the Sabbath. And for these religious leaders, they were so hard-hearted that rather than seeing the, the absolute glory of the miracle, all they could think about was the violation of their Sabbath law. And oftentimes in the Gospels, we find that Jesus is in trouble with the Pharisees over the Sabbath. Now, really quickly, the Sabbath was God's law. He had given it. It was very simple. Six days you shall work. On the seventh day you shall rest and do no labor. Now, these guys, they had taken that simple command, and they had written 39 volumes on what it meant to rest and not work. So basically, on the Sabbath day, you pretty much had to just sit still And make sure you didn't breathe too hard because in their opinion, if you did, you would break the Sabbath. So when they they see Jesus as a Sabbath breaker, he's breaking their interpretation of the Sabbath. Jesus didn't break God's Sabbath. Jesus broke their interpretation of the Sabbath. And so therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. The man says, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Even among the Pharisees themselves, there's a division. For some, it's like, no way. This guy's not from God. He's not keeping the Sabbath. Others are like, yeah, but how could this happen? So it's interesting that among them, there is even this division. Verse 17, then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It's your eyes he opened. The man replied. Now, I I would imagine that at this moment, the man probably has to think a little bit. Like they're saying, okay, come on. You know, what what do you have to say about the man? And he probably ponders it for a moment. And he says, "Um, I don't know. He's a prophet. (laughs) I mean, what, you know, in this man's mind, it is crystal clear that this person, Jesus, who he doesn't really know anything more about, the one thing that he's pretty certain about is that this man must be from God.
the month of June, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Can Science Explain Everything? by Dr. John Lennox. Doesn't science depend on reason? While Christianity does so not upon reason, but faith. So can scientists also believe in God? In his book, Can Science Explain Everything?, Dr. John Lennox answers those very questions and many more that consider the relationship between science and the Christian faith. Our current culture has been engaged in a science and God debate. He is not arguing for the existence of God, but for the compatibility of God and science. Dr. John Lennox addresses many common modern-day misconceptions, not just about God, but even about science itself. If you want to know more about the relationship between God and science, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Can Science Explain Everything by Dr. John Lennox. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of John. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.